life is all about movement. And, you know, if we are stuck in old ways of doing things, then, you know, it's like the water is frozen and it's like a block frozen in time, frozen in the past. And there's this kind of feeling, you know, we can't risk to make any changes because it's, it's so much uncertainty and we, we can't do that. But then, you know, if we are frozen in the past, it takes a lot of energy which keeps the freezing going, like you have to plug in the freezer in order for it to freeze. It costs a lot of energy and then every energy which is frozen in that freezer is also missing, you know, from our lives. So being stuck in the past, you know, if the present is demanding, you know, and, and really shouting at us to open up, to change, and to adapt, that's, you know, what the Dhamma is really here for, to help us to recognize that and then to pay attention to particular features of our experience which help us then, you know, to slowly but surely loosening up the whole thing. You know, bringing some movement in, bringing some air, bringing some buoyancy into our lives by, you know, looking at our experience in a very particular way and this particular way is, uh, is called the Dhamma which is a very pragmatic teaching and it's like a toolbox you know where we can pull out the right tool for the right moment and, and what's also very important I think is to not forget that it's not only about you know, using the teachings in order to cultivate the mind and then insights occur and through those insights, you know, our mind patterns get uh, more or less quickly, you know, uh, disentangled and they get loosened up more and more. But what's really also important is to put it into practice, to really leave it, what we see in the meditation to really live from that space so there's the realization which is you know personal experience understood in the meditation that we say aha it's like this it really is you know for example impermanent we can really observe that in our own body and mind but then you know to actualize it by living accordingly that's what basically integrates that realization into our lives and allows that realization you know, to spread out through our lives. So the first one you know, would be more the wisdom aspect, and in the Pali uh, tradition it's called the Panya, and the other one is the more the faith aspect, or Sada. So both of them, you know, they need to work together, they strengthen each other, the more you know, we have the capacity to really live from our realization, the more that realization gets integrated and we have more strength and the mind becomes even more capable, you know, of uh, seeing how things are mutually dependent and conditioned and 
So one, you know, strengthens the other. And, you know, in, in a daily balance, that's sometimes called like walking your talk. You know, not saying something, but really doing it, but really living from that space. So I think that's very important if we want to continue to, you know, grow in capacity in our practice, have more and more uh, resilience, you know, not a resilience by not, you know, by being invulnerable, but it's a different kind of resilience, by really being not afraid to be vulnerable. And through that capacity to really be vulnerable, we become ever more invulnerable because the vulnerability is is a fact, you know. But if we're afraid of that vulnerability, then it makes us very vulnerable. But if we can embrace the vulnerability for what it is, it makes us strong. It makes us resilient. And... Uh, you know, so to really kind of the choices we make every day, that they be really informed by our practice and informed in particular by the five precepts, for example. And, uh, you know, having ever clearer priorities in our lives, what really is important to us. And then, you know, checking has there been really, has there been some transformation? Has there been some changes, you know, in our lives and in our minds? You know, when we look in our minds and hearts, can we see, is there a difference, you know, in comparison how, you know, I would have uh, dealt with a certain situation two years ago or three years ago and how what's happening right now? Can I see a difference? I think that's really important to investigate in that way. And, you know, and there's this gradual refinement of the mind by training the mind in, uh, you know, what's one of the early ways, you know, of the early Buddhist ways of describing it is to train the seven factors of awakening in the mind. That's a, a very handy list, you know, for checking on our mind. Mindfulness investigation of dhammas, energy, joy, calmness, stability of mind and equanimity. So that's the seven factors of awakening. And that's seven qualities of the mind, you know, which are innate qualities of the mind and through the practice we can hone them, you know, we can refine them and then the mind gets ever more capable of going into the depths of experience and see what's happening and have more and more capacity for relationship and capacity for relationship is a different word for resilience. That's the same thing, you know, not having to shut down in order to protect ourselves, but being being able to stay open. That doesn't mean, you know, that we are not making boundaries, making boundaries, but making those boundaries, uh, you know, with wisdom and compassion, not just like kind of shutting down because we are overwhelmed. So, 
So you know, the more we are able to leave from that place of what we experience for ourselves in our practice, the more coherence there is, you know, between our life and our practice. The more we are in alignment or attuned like that, the more we will be able, you know, to stay in relationship with our environment, with our communities, you know, with our family, with our friends. So we, we can just like really be fully there and uh, and can tap, you know, more and more into that inner, inner intelligence of, of life itself or nature itself. You know, if we are be able to stay open and don't have to disconnect because we feel like we can't we can't handle it basically because there's still too much uh, need you know for control and too much fear and and so on you know and through the practice we we are more and more like loosening up those patterns and through this loosening up and creating more space we have more space for life, you know, to be what it is. And I really like that example of, it's called ABC, a bigger container, you know. Our whole being, our mind, our bodies, our presence, you know, has more and more capacity, more and more resilience, that more and more of life as it is fits in. We don't need to defend. We can let it be what it is, and we can stay connected, we can stay in relationship, and we can learn from it, you know. And uh, I think, you know, because of the many, many things which have happened over the last few years, you know, and also the whole outlook we have on the climate crisis and the understanding, I know that there's lots of things which are taking, you know, place which are rather unpredictable that I, re I really feel, you know, that the only way how we can get some kind of a handle on it is if we really stay in relationship with what's happening and not turning away into distraction and just, you know, taking on the challenge of that shift, you know, that it's yes, so many, many people you know, are uh, realizing that there is really something different now starting to become more and more apparent. And it's not only, you know, like a bad thing. There's also like what's called like an emergent understanding, you know, an emergent way of receiving that information which is coming through to us as you know as uh, what the planet is basically for example telling us you know with all of the things which are going on there is already a very loud message in all of this and the message is you know we need to uh, understand you know that we are not separate we are not separate from planet earth we are we are it, as actually, you know. We are just like planet Earth walking around, basically. 
and we are in constant exchange. You know, we never cut the umbilical cord to the planet, and we are constantly, you know, eating planet and drinking it, breathing it. We are just like a process and part of a much bigger process in, 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 inside of, you know, a cosmos, which is the vastest of, of processes, you know, we really cannot understand with the mind. But we can, you know, through training our minds, we can, in an intuitive level, get kind of a understanding of that process nature of all of this, the constant flow, the constant change, the fluidity, and we can, through practice, you know, become more and more fluid ourselves. So we understand ourselves more and more as part of this and not separate. Not, you know, like separate entities in a hostile universe, but we start to feel ourselves as being part of this whole process. And there's a sense of enrichment and, and a sense of safety, you know, which comes from that dissolution of this separateness, which is just a result, you know, of uh, not understanding the way things truly are. And that resilience, you know, which is written here at the entrance door, that, res that true resilience comes from understanding that we are not separate from planet Earth. And that at this time, you know, people like us who are like, you know, interested in having a practice, we are really in particular called, you know, to wake up to that opportunity we have. That we, you know, we can become the immune system of this planet by, you know, preparing ourselves to stay in relationship with what is going on and listening into that innate intelligence of that whole process, you know, which you can uh, kind of imagine, you know, as a very, very faint whisper, which is coming out of the silence, you know, which is not ending at the walls of this room, but the silence permeates the whole universe. Or, you know, in the Buddha's uh, teaching, sometimes it's called like the Dhammakaya in the Tibetan teaching, or Prajnaparamita in the uh, Mahayana teaching, or awareness. There's so many different ways, you know, how that empty knowing can be called, and all of those different names, you know, they have limitations, they are not what it really is, but we can experience it in the meditation. And just, you know, honing the mind by training, you know, those seven factors of awakening so that we can hear this very faint whisper, which 
you know, all other sounds in this room right now, you know, the sound of the the ventilator which is going in the background and maybe some sounds on the street outside or maybe the sounds in your body, they are all coming out of that silence which is behind the sounds. So, you know, if we are listening in that way, you know, to this very, very faint whisper, like if you're listening to music, you know, which is like turned down very, very, uh, it's very, very faint sound, you have to kind of, not straining, but listening out. And that's like a way to open the mind. You know, whenever the mind is, is capable to really stay open like that and not, you know, contracting around me and my what I want and what I need and what I'm afraid of and what I what I'm you know, what I'm worried about, all of those things whenever that comes up, to just let it be and coming back to that listening. And through that, you know, learning that we don't need to, you know, kind of drown in our, in the patterns of our mind. We do have a choice. We can, at least, you know, when we remember it, we can step out of those patterns and we can start to observe them, can start to become conscious of those patterns. And then what we start to see first is they are all impermanent. They are just, you know, constantly changing. And that, you know, seeing that is a very, very crucial insight, seeing the constant changingness of everything. And rather than trying to nail anything of this down, just being more in the position of the one, you know, who observes all of that. At least, you know, at those times when we can, when, when they are not too seductive or too scary that we can stay outside and we can stay an observer. That's a very, very important skill, you know, which can help very much with, you know, making us more resilient, making us more capable of keeping a perspective on what is happening. And, you know, first in the, in the beginning of the practice, we might only be able to remember that when the, you know, when the weather is, is quite uh, mild, you know, but then through practice and through increased 
resilience, we can stay conscious for more and more challenging things, you know. More and more challenging opportunities. And we can abstain, you know, from interfering out of fear. You know, we can we can just keep an open mind and see what happens. And I think that's also you know, what is meant with resilience, to, to uh, not interfere too quickly. These knee-jerk reactions, you know, out of fear to just make it, make it go away because we don't have the capacity to keep an open mind because we are again and again projecting the past onto the present. And then it becomes the future. But if we can you know refrain from interfering and just let it take its course until we know what is a skillful response so that's you know what is meant with really bringing the practice into our lives and uh, this intertwining process between realization or insight and actualization and putting it into practice. And how those two, how they work together and how they strengthen each other. And you know, and how that sometimes means, you know, we have to give up some kind of a comfort. Would we thought was a very comfortable solution, we need to look if that is really true in the big picture. Because the greatest comfort, you know, which we can accumulate for ourselves is that resilience, really, which isn't dependent on physical comfort. This is much more protection, much more safety, you know, to be more independent from comfort. And, uh, you know, through that consideration to save energy, literally, you know, to save energy, to maybe don't have to have all of this stuff or much less of it save a lot of time with that then we have more time for practice and then if you really practice well you know that will automatically lead to more resilience and then if there's more resilience we need less comfort and it's like it's a powerful process you know and the Dhamma is you know in those different ancient chants which we are also having at the monastery there's the Dhamma is is um uh, qualified with, with different um, adjectives, you know, and, and one of those, those adjectives is the Dhamma is opanaiko, which means, if we, we translate it into English, means leading onwards. Leading onwards in the sense, you know, that if we really leave from that place, you know, what we know to be true, the Dhamma will take care, you know, to 
guide us towards ever more conducive circumstances for practice. If you really live from that place, this is just like an innate kind of uh, quality of the Dhamma, this Opanaiko. And that can, you know, sometimes be pretty amazing what can, which doors can open. And I think it's really also good, you know, to reflect back onto our lives as individuals and see, you know, has that happened? Has that happened in your life? You know, that your aspirations and... uh, you know, motivation, why we are practicing and why we are living in this way, that it really has the power to open doors. And I see that also, you know, in a much bigger context now in this time where there's so much uncertainty for us, you know, as a, as a species, we have messed up a lot. More and more people waking up to that. And there's a lot of fear of not, you know, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. Even, you know, there is so many people who are already wanting to do things differently, but there's still, you know, that feeling of helplessness, like, you know, a child which there's the father figure is suddenly no longer here, you know. And we all have been deeply conditioned in this culture, you know, to there's this man, this older man, these father figures who are fixing everything for us, but they, they're not up to the job. And now we are we are not having those anymore. And what we're we going to do? Now we have to grow up. We have to grow up. And one way of growing up is to be really in relationship with what's happening, because then you just need to grow up. You just need to quickly grow up. And I think, you know, this practice is is a support for that, you know, because it shows us different ways, you know, how we can increase this capacity for relationship with ourselves, first of all, with our own mind states and feeling tones and everything with our own experience. And then if we can do that with ourselves, we can do it with others, we can do it with everything, you know, with nature. And we can more and more realize, hey, you know, we are actually part of nature. We are not just like walking around in nature and taking some of this and not wanting that. No, it's not like that. We are we are intricate part of it. And that's all only, you know, really being, becoming, you know, a, a, a knowing through relationships. So relationship is the medicine. And to see what stands in the way of relationship is the practice. And, you know, the Buddha's teaching is, is a template, is a very good, you know, set of instructions how we can see more and more what stands in the way. And if we can then, you know, really open to that and relate to that, we can melt that, you know, through insight, through compassion and through all of the different practices and all of the schools of Buddhism, they're all about that, you know, whatever school it is, they might look vastly different, but 
the essence of the practice is always the same. It's letting go of past patterns of interpreting our experience and have more and more direct capacity for experience, which can also be called resilience. You not have to shut down, not have to go and defend myself. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's uh, you know, in a nutshell, you know, how we can describe um, what the practice is all about. And now I'd just like to follow up with a guided meditation, give us a little bit of a direct experience of that. And, uh, you know, that... The core remedy for dissolving, you know, those very tenacious patterns is being capable to be in relationship with our experience. And then once that has been, you know, cultivated to a certain degree, then that capacity for relationship, which can also be named resilience, to use that and relate to the world, you know, relate to the climate crisis, relate to everything from a position of openness, which knows, you know, we don't have to fix that on our own. That's impossible. But we can, you know, take advantage of the tools we've got, you know, this body and mind. We can kind of get them into shape for what they are meant to be, you know. Because they are like, uh, they are containers to receive information. They are like biocomputers, you could also say, you know. And they have to be tuned up so that they are, because they are so, so much like uh, programs, you know, which need to be deleted, really. And clear, clear, make some, make some updates. And first, we need to make some space so some updates can be received. And I think, you know, if we can see it that way, it's not so difficult because then it's more about okay, you know, we have to um, get some movement going here and make some spring cleaning or something. Make some space for that which wants to be understood that it has a place to land. And, uh, you know, those seven factors of awakening, if we can focus on that, it's a pretty simple list. And I can just maybe try and you know, give a little guided meditation on that. So just sitting and, uh, you know, becoming aware of the breathing process, bringing some you know, mindfulness to the breathing process, that's already the first factor of awakening, sati or mindfulness. And then, you know, if we are taking some interest in our breathing process, then that's already the second factor of awakening, which is dhamma-vichaya, uh, Samvichaya or 
interest investigation of tamas to really you know have opening to the experience and then in order to stay with that experience that needs some energy that's the third factor of awakening energy or virya so already the first three factors of awakening are already there you know you need them even to put a key in a keyhole really so those qualities they are not like super outlandish or anything they are rudimentary in everyone's mind who has ever done anything so and they just can't be they can be more and more refined and through this refinement become more powerful greater capacity to discern so the first the first three and then you know if we are basically in the process really being with our experience that brings a sense of contentment or even some subtle joy you know not wanting to be somewhere else really being here and that's the fourth factor of awakening joy or pity in pali so joy is a very important factor in the practice gives it some you know buoyancy some spaciousness without joy inside isn't really coming forth and this is not a joy you know which is derived from sensual pleasures but it's it's called a non-worldly joy which comes from just being content with the present not wanting to be somewhere else and then if we can you know stay with our experience in that way then the whole system starts to calm down that's the fifth factor of awakening that's uh, pasadi in pali because the mind feels enriched it just calms down because it's no longer leaning into anywhere it just is here it has arrived and it there's a stability a collectedness arising which is the next factor of awakening which is a uh, samadhi and then last but not least <coughs> upeka or equanimity equanimity towards our own mind states you know the mind we can see the mind is sometimes is stressed is contracted is greedy or whatever but we can have a sense of equanimity with all of that because we don't take it so personal so that's the seven factors of awakening and the mind you know is spacious balanced stable and you know we can listen into that spaciousness listen into the silence which which doesn't end at the walls of this room
It's the immeasurable emptiness. which is also knowing. It knows about the sounds, feeling the touch of the chair of the cushion, it's an empty knowing. like an effortless knowing which isn't, we don't have to make it happen, it, it just is. Like a mirror. Or like the surface of a, a lake. Reflecting the mountains around the lake. And at the same time, you know, seeing into the, under the bottom of the leg, that clarity. So that innate intelligence of uh, emptiness. Or empty awareness. And just being receptive and attuned to that. like sitting in it. And that, you know, that intelligence which speaks like a faint whisper. the silence. And at the same time, you know, we are also aware of our body. And, you know, we can bring up, bring up a social issue in our lives, in our culture, in our community, in our family. It's just some kind of an issue maybe even a real hot issue like whatever climate crisis and you know and to just let that you know come forth and not judging it you know 
just whatever it is, let that arise. Some kind of a divide, you know, racism in, in this culture is a very big issue, for example. And so how do I relate to that issue? This particular symptom in this cultural body of uh, the West Coast of America, how do I relate to that? What does it bring up in me? Without immediately charging it. So just relating to the issue in a, in a different way than usual. Just with this very subtle attunement, just allowing it to be there and see. You know, approaching it with curiosity and with spaciousness. Not with preformed ideas, not judging it. And you know, and holding it with this more much open mind and wanting to see what's the underlying roots of that issue. Climate crisis or racism or whatever it is. What's the underlying roots? Without judging. Just seeing what's the roots. You know, and in the Buddha's dispensation, the three root poisons are called greed, hatred, and delusion. So in some way or another, we can always, you know, everything can be brought back to those three roots. And what's happening, you know, if we are seeing that? Do we feel, you know, do we want to check out and think about something else? Or do we get really tired? Or get kind of confused? Or excited or fearful? What's happening? Or do we get interested? Aha. Uh -huh. And just seeing, you know, how much... Uh, social absencing is happening, that there's, it's possible that a whole global society can be with these huge issues and not make much progress for such a long time. dragging it out since a long time. And now it's getting tighter and tighter, everything. And suddenly, you know, there's more, more interest, really, because we can see we can't get away from it. We need to relate to it.
Interesting, you know, how does my particular body and mind relate to that issue? Is there some interest or is there a sense of I just want to do something else, I just don't want to relate to this? Just noticing it, that's enough. There's nothing we need to do, just being aware. We're seeing the whole, you know, the intergenerational trauma patterns, the collective patterns of trauma, which, you know, we have also inherited from our culture, from our family, from our ancestors, all of that, and also all of the resilience which they have been cultivating, you know, over the deep time. And through, you know, cultivating those seven factors of awakening, we can see all of this. And at the same time, we can also understand this is impermanent, this is unsatisfactory and not self. Just seeing, you know, how we are part of this vast web, and you know, a lot of it has been handed down to us. And what we can do is, is to work on how we're relating to all of this. Are we are just like by road, you know? repeating, repeating and repeating or are we uh, bringing in some perspective because that's, we can do that that's a choice we can make and we have the tools for it it's like, you know, the the gap through which the light can come in and it makes all of the difference, you know, a, a room which has been in darkness for 100,000 years, if the window is open just for one second, we have seen it at least once, it's never going to be the same again. And then repeating that seeing, that's what's needed. And that all is going to feed into the collective culture as well. We are not separate.
So you know, in many ways we are using a, a practice which is comes from Iron Age India. It's very old, 2,500 years old. And the, you know, the components of the human mind, they are always the same. But the, the situation now in terms of sense of urgency has changed. But then at the same time, you know, we have so much more resources. We can do these hybrid meetings here, for example. That is amazing. So seeing, you know, how this... Uh, issue can be seen you know from the roots and then we can see you know those root causes how they are also operating in us you know physically and emotionally mentally relationally So you know how how are we absent, you know, to what's happening? How are we also contributing to these issues? And how can we start you know, to be more present to that in ourselves? But just seeing, you know, the defense mechanisms, and that seeing is 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 so important. And then just dropping that, and you know, coming back to just the body, sitting and and breathing. Just seeing, you know, what's the the after effect of this exercise? What do you notice? And just you know, coming back again to the the space and the silence. And just inviting any kind of uh, download, you know, of uh, this innate intelligence. Any 
innovation, any update, any new way of seeing and responding. If there is anything which can arise in that empty space, let that become known. And then you're really living from that place. Again, you know, that which is understood, to kind of put it into practice, to live accordingly. And so that, you know, encouraging that flow, encouraging that fluidity, the movement, of this, you know, essential teaching which is so ancient but then it's always again expressed in new ways. So to allow that you know, innate intelligence to become in formation, to come into our formation, our bodies, our minds, and then living from that place. If we have more, you know, kind of courage and uh, faith in that. And that can only come from exercising the capacities, which means you're not doing it and uh, frequently. And you know, making oneself really available for that. So now I'm going to soon ring the bell. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.